it's easier said than done, right? Yeah. Like we're all <laughs> navigating that every day. I mean, the main goal in all of this for me was, okay, God has me here. How do I work for his kingdom, but also, you know, provide for my future family, provide for myself right now, but also be able to give more resources to him. And, you know, it's all his anyway. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's just like, how do I um, work for the Lord where I'm at right now? Hi, and welcome to today's edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. It's always a pleasure to get together with you, friend. And today, I'm looking forward to our program. Ryan Abone is our guest. Now, I don't know a lot about Ryan other than some passing at church. I know he's engaged, and we're going to talk about some things about his personal life. But I really wanted to bring Ryan in and talk about being a young business professional, looking at life as a Christ follower and engaging the business world as a Christ follower. And I thought this would be a great time to do that. Ryan, welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. So you grew up here in the area. You lived mm-hmm. in what, in the Germantown area and attended Houston High School. Yes. Grew up in Germantown, went to Houston, and then CBU, Christian Brothers. You are a tall gentleman. Of course, we're doing radio, and even though the video we're shooting, we're sitting down. Yeah, my so, legs are hitting the desk <laughs> as we go. I need a special tall person's desk yeah. you know, here. Did you play basketball or sports? Basketball, and then I played baseball. Did um, you play baseball? Yeah. Um, so I played at CBU. So I got to play through high school, stopped playing basketball um, to focus on baseball, and then ended up, I was lucky enough to play at CBU, too. Was it your desire to go pro? Man, if I was good enough. <laughs> yeah, like that was that was the goal since I was five. I was a pitcher, so you know, if you're tall, you're either they say you're either first base or pitcher. I was uh trying to and my dad actually played too. He played a little professional ball too. So yeah, it was kind of a you know, following the family's footsteps a little bit. But I ended up loving my college experience, um, and getting to uh know a lot of great people. And actually I was saved through a guy in my high school days back in summer baseball. So it was a vessel to uh, that led me to Christ, too. It's interesting how yeah. God can direct our life through a multiplicity of things, how he can lead us to Christ. Absolutely. Uh, so right now you are working with Equifax, I believe. Yep. And how long have you been in that position? And I think your title, corporate sales trainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've only been here for about two months in that role. I was with a company called Mimeo. They're a print and distribution company here in Memphis. They did a huge cut when COVID hit. I knew I wanted to get into sales training anyway. The Lord kind of lined that up perfectly. But So yeah. you left Memphis to go to Nashville. Yeah, that was uh, over two years ago. Okay. Um, so with the company I was with before Mimeo, actually, they transferred me to Nashville to start help kind of launched their division up there. And then I moved back to Memphis to work for Mimeo. So, so what responsibilities daily, and I know things have changed a lot with the COVID pandemic, yeah. but typically when we're not in a pandemic, what are your job responsibilities? I guess your job responsibilities haven't changed. You're just having to modify the way you fulfill those responsibilities. For sure. Yeah. The modification is just more going from in-person to virtual yeah. um, just because everybody's doing that. But essentially my, my job is to train people every day on their sales role. So Equifax, they're a huge organization, obviously. We have about 12 national sales teams. um, And so this is kind of a new initiative. Um, They've never had like a training team before. My boss was the first one they hired. And then for me, I'm the second one on board. So we're responsible for training all 12 teams. And those teams, I mean, that averages as many
many, what, 100-plus uh, employees? Oh, yeah. It's uh, probably 8 to 10 per team. So you're getting up to, you know, sometimes more. So 120 to 150 salespeople probably. Yeah. Now, virtually, you're able to kind of conduct those meetings online. Right. Did you do a lot of traveling before the pandemic? I will. Uh, yeah. So I'll be going to, like, St. Louis. Um, we have a big sales office there. And then Atlanta. That's where Equifax's headquarters are. Going back to the gospel you yeah. shared about the experience on the baseball team, how that was kind of the lead way that God used to speak yeah. the gospel to your heart. Uh, talk more about that. Do you remember much prior to you heard the story or the life of Jesus, what Jesus right. came to do for you and what that meant prior to hearing that? Where were you in life? Um, you know, I was so I was saved when I was 16 years old. So I was fortunate enough to grow up in um, a good family, Christian family, but more traditional background. My family was Methodist. You know, when you grow up in that environment, it's kind of funny. It's like you're almost like so when you hear the expression of valley of dry bones, it's like, you know, you're around Jesus a lot, like a lot of churches on every corner in the yeah. south, but you don't really know him yourself. And so that was the realization I came to. Um, when I was saved was my family loves Jesus. I think, um, you know, I have a lot of friends that go to church and are super involved. I'm not really involved. So the statement or the message that saved me was in First Peter. I think it's First Peter 2 when Peter talks about he calls us his royal priests. Oh, yeah. Um, that message, um, it just resonated with me that how does the God of the universe call his people royal priests like we don't deserve that title you know yeah, so yeah. that really resonated with me and that changed the trajectory of where i was going so. well at that point now did, did you realize too after you trusted christ mm -hmm. and you, you solidified the fact that you were saved right did you automatically know that you needed to grow in that relationship no i actually didn't you know i think um something in the last few years that's been i think convicting for me was it's easy, or I think in our culture in America, too, a lot of us will call Jesus our Savior, and we're comfortable with that. Yeah. We're not really comfortable with the lordship of like, okay, no, he directs my life now, yeah. right? Like, it's not just about free salvation and a free gift of eternal life. It's I have to do what he says. And yeah. so being in high school and college, I think that's a struggle because right. you're trying to fit in. And yeah. so I would say in the last three years is when that really kicked in. Where, so you, uh, yeah. you did find a, what you call a support system yeah. that helps keep you accountable. Absolutely. Uh, maybe somebody who was willing to invest in you to disciple yes. you. Did you find that? Absolutely. Um, so Randy Odom. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love is, Randy. Yeah. <laughs> He's been on the show many times. Yeah, absolutely. So your uh, viewers probably know him, but he, um, about two years ago, I met him. He randomly was like, hey, man, I want, I want you to come to this group of guys that meet on Saturday morning. And I was like, okay, you know, he's the president of MAM. That's really cool. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so I go to this group, and it's, it's a lot of us, probably 20, 30 of us. And I'm like, man, this is a huge group of guys getting together. Um, but what I didn't know at the time was his plan was actually to get that group down to about 10 or 12. So he yeah. wanted to meet with a bunch of people and then kind of weed out the guys that really weren't into it. Um, and so he stopped meeting for a little bit. Yeah. And then he redid it. He like uh, regathered the group. And sure enough, about 12 guys or wow. so came back. And so I've been being discipled by him by about a year and a half now. Well, wow, that is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, be interested to ask you, Ryan, what you have discovered 
particularly these last three years that seem to be the mm-hmm. developmental part of your growth, where you put a peg down, where you really seen you're stepping into growing and learning more about this relationship. Yeah. What you have discovered about Jesus being, you, you mentioned about him being Savior, but about being Lord too, but yeah. this relationship, somebody your age, which you're about... I'm 26. 26 years mm-hmm. old, looking at the relationship with Jesus Christ. What yeah. have you discovered about it? Not only does he have the authority... Um, as the Lord of the universe to tell us or explain to us the reason why he created life the way he did and then how we're supposed to live as God's people. But I think also, too, what's really been cool is he has shown me that I actually get to have fellowship with him. I actually, my last podcast, I went through Hebrews 9, and it goes into the old covenant worship in the tabernacle of the earthly holy place, right? And so, quick point, the holiest of holy places where the high priest could go only, that was where the Ark of the Covenant was, but he only went in there for sacrifice for atonement of sin once a year on the Day of Atonement. He didn't go in there for fellowship. He was scared to go in there, right? And so how cool is it Jesus is the greater high priest, and not only do we get a perfect sacrifice, but we get fellowship with God. Like, that is just— That's beautiful. That is so um, incredible to me. And so I think just getting to know him more as a heavenly father and not just God, like, he's mad at me if I mess up. Like, he's my Lord. He is my father. So. I think that's the biggest thing I've taken away from that. Well, you mentioned your background in sales, training, yeah. management, and it sounds like your professional life is pretty settled with your background there. Yeah. But as you've already mentioned here, this podcast, you started a new venture, mm-hmm. uh, basically taking that work experience with your passion for Christ. Right. And it's called the Great Commission. Yeah. So tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's it's really exciting. It actually um, came up randomly, as these things do. Um, well, I guess it's not random, because I, I think it was from the Lord. But I was really pondering, okay, I'm in sales. How does that interact with the gospel, with the kingdom of God, right? Because sales is about excess. It's about money. It's about profits, right? It's not a, as much about relationships, Um, It's more about building your book of business, right, and growing your territory. And so it seems like it's a um, a very challenging way to actually witness to people. Mm -hmm. What I figured out was, you know, I've been given this opportunity at a pretty young age. You know, I've been given a platform to share my sales experience with people from the last few years. And I'm thinking, I got to use this in some way, right, for the kingdom. And there's a lot of, I think, need for practical sales content out mm-hmm. there in the market. Yeah. I don't really see that. I see a lot of you know, leadership and business and more like biographies of successful people, but not really like sales content. Yeah. And so the nuts and bolts really how to do it. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, that's great for motivation, but how do I actually do my job better yeah. every day? And so that was where that came from was, okay, I'm going to actually use the Great Commission, which is our command and then tie it into sales. That is really, Ryan, one of the reasons, too, I wanted to have you on, because I interview a lot of people, national ministry leaders, pastors, political people, all genres of different fields. But I really like your story. So many people are where you're at, trying to... Trying to figure it out. Like, how do I do life? You know, start building a future for their family. 
you're engaged in getting ready to start a home with Lee. So I think it's so important that people get a vision for where they are. Mm-hmm. And that can be the ministry, you know, right. where they are. One of the things I want to ask you, too, about the hurdles. And when we talk about sales, there's a lot of different kind of sales. And on your first podcast, which I listened to, yeah. you talk about business-to-business sales is what mm-hmm. primarily what you do. What are some of the hurdles that people in business-to-business sales face? Actually getting in touch with the right people, that's the biggest challenge. Let's say you have a 10,000-person company. There's a ton of people oh, that yeah. you could talk to, right? right? And so, honestly, the biggest challenge that a lot of salespeople face is just getting in touch with people who actually make decisions, right? That's the most important thing. But then also being able to actually tailor that message to what's important to their day-to-day life, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm not just going to have a general script. I need to find out what's important to this individual person in their role. If, they're, if they manage a team, they're going to have different challenges than somebody that's on that team, right? If they're a, a vice president level, they care more about high level, right? They care right. about the organization. Right. So everybody has different um, agendas and ideas of what they want the organization to look like. And so the biggest challenge is understanding what does this person care about the most and how can I tailor what I offer to this person? And that's something that can be very tough. Yeah, it is. You know? Absolutely. Your second episode of the Great Commission podcast was just released. You talk about in this podcast, and I haven't listened to it. I just saw the little yeah, synopsis this of morning. it. morning. You talk about the difference between an average and a great <laughs> salesperson. Yeah. Don't want to spend a lot of time here, but basically, right. what's the difference? And the biggest difference is um, how you solve problems for people. A common misunderstanding is people can listen to it on the podcast, too, but they think, well, I need to ask discovery questions so I can set up my pricing. Whatever I'm going to propose or offer to them, right? Right. They think it's about that. But really, it's about what problem am I solving for this person? Like, it's too early for me to even worry about how much something costs. At the end of the day, price is a made-up number. After your cost of goods sold, whether I make 10% profit, 20, 30, 40, like price is made up. Value is in the eye of the person you're talking to, whatever they see is valuable. And so what I think salespeople miss on is they think it's about, okay, how great is my presentation? How do I set up you know, this proposal or what I'm going to show them to make it look the best? What do I think yeah. as opposed to having their eyes on them, right? right? Like right. digging in further to their process and understanding what is the biggest problem in this person's world right now? And how does my solution offer any sort of impact in that way? Oh, I see. So. Well, a portion of your podcast offers reflections from what you call a priority time. Yeah. Why is this so important to you? And that's my time with the Lord every day. <laughs> you know, that's, that's where I get to um, dig into his word and what he said and, you know, have time in prayer and have time with the Holy Spirit and just asking the Lord, just like, hey, what do you want me to learn from this text? What does your word actually say? I think a lot of times, too, I've learned that we try to apply our experiences to what we read as opposed to just reading what it says and then applying the word to our experiences, right? Like, I think there's, that's two different (laughs) things. And so I've tried to learn like, okay, I'm just going to study the word and study what it says, and then I'm going to apply it to my life, right? Instead of vice versa. How do I fit what I'm doing to the word? That's a big tendency for a lot of Christians. And so 
um, yeah, my priority time is important because that's how I get wisdom. Like, you know, if I was just doing this on my own, it'd be tough for a lot. Yeah. I I spent about nine months coming off the mission field working in business, business sales, and it was straight commission. I mean, I didn't even get gas in my car if I didn't sell it. Okay. So (laughs) I I know what it's like. Absolutely. Really, when you talk about a relationship of walking in faith as a Christian, that's a great parallel to somebody who who does (laughs) it. As a Christian, your relationship can get really close to God. Mm-hmm. in this type of work, or it can get further away too, I guess. Right. There's actually a lot of parallels to sales in their Christian walk that I don't think people realize. You know, if I go to my planner for the day, who am I going to call? What low-hanging fruit for business am I going to try to go after? Right? Like, you have to kind of reevaluate that every day and have a plan. And um, you rely on, you know, your teammates, you rely on your manager, your your other people, but then also the research that you do on your accounts. In the Christian walk, it's like, well, I know what I want to do that day, but if I don't get with the Lord that morning and say, Lord, direct me today, guide me, yes. right? There's a, It's the same thing. And so yeah. um, I try to do that before I do anything else is have time with the Lord. On your first podcast and talking about spending time with the Lord on your first podcast, you mentioned Galatians 2.20. Uh-huh. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Mm-hmm. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Mm-hmm. First of all, sin is attractive on the surface, but yeah. the end always leads to death. Forsaking sin to follow Christ is where we live by faith. He set the example of loving us when he gave himself for us on the cross. Yes. And when I identify with being crucified with him, my life no longer, but it's Christ living in me, which you yes. just shared. And I think this is where we get hooked up so often. Uh, being crucified with Christ is so foreign to the way people typically live their lives. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, present your body as a living sacrifice, right? Yeah. So it's the same idea. It's dying to yourself and dying to um, your fleshly desires and saying that it's no longer what I want in life. It is what Christ wants to do through me. Um, and so the only way you can even live that way is by having time with the Lord and having that closeness in proximity with him. Because otherwise, we're just going to stray and wander and, and do what we want to do, right? And so yeah. it's a cha- – I mean, I'm not saying – it's easier said than done, right? Yeah. Like yeah. we're all <laughs> navigating that every day. I mean, the main goal in all of this for me was, okay, God has me here. How do I work for his kingdom but also you know, provide for my future family, provide for myself right now, but also be able to give more resources to him. And you know, it's all his anyway. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's just like, how do I um, work for the Lord where I'm at right now, wow. essentially? Ryan, how does being crucified with Christ help us when we're facing temptations? Knowing that Jesus already lived that perfect life that we were supposed to live, um, and he was tempted. Uh, so I, I can't remember where it says in Scripture, but you know he's already felt right. those temptations that we feel. So that was actually vital in his ministry was to come down and live the life that we feel and feel that human emotion, right? Because he was 100% man, 100% God. So it's not like he didn't feel emotion. He just never gave into that temptation, right? And so... I think for us, when we look to the cross and we look at our Savior, we can say, okay, he knows what I'm feeling because he felt it too. And he felt the actual worst burden 
that anybody could ever feel. He felt the entire weight of sin yeah. on yeah. his shoulders, and he delivered that from us. So I think it's like when you think about it in that perspective, and then you look at the little temptation that you're facing, it's like apples and oranges. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if he can do that for me, I can whatever your temptation is. Like I, I can not eat as much, or like whatever yeah. it is, right? Not, sure. Yeah, and everybody so, has their own. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's interesting that Paul, James, Peter, and Jude each introduced themselves in their letters as bond slaves. Yeah. Now, and a bond slave doesn't live for himself. He lives for his master. Right. Which is, a, Absolutely. I guess, again, it's a concept, especially in the culture we live yes. in our Western mindset. It's totally Absolutely. obscure. I've done a lot of studying on that in terms of our Western American perspective of what slavery is is completely different than what the Jewish slavery terminology was. It was more of like employment, actually, right? Like it was it was more of a relationship. Somebody found themselves in debt, so they would say, hey, I'll work off my debt so my family doesn't starve, right. essentially, right? Like it was a, a, a work contract, essentially. And obviously, when we think of slavery, we think of the American South and the tragedy that that was. And so one thing that I've been convicted of too lately is reading scripture through the lenses of the Jewish culture. There's actually a book, it's, and I can send it to you. It's called New Ways of Manners and Customs of the Jewish Culture, essentially. It's something like that. But essentially, it's like you read scripture. What was this saying in the time that it was written to the Jewish culture? How would they have read that instead of how are we reading it as Americans, right? Like it's yeah, way yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's so many things like that. I had the chance to travel to Israel back in 2018 oh, nice. on two trips that my company here at Bot Radio Network sent wow. me on. My assignment was to go with a group and take video and pictures, which I was gladly willing to do. Yeah. Yeah, when you go to different places, you know, when you go to the Pool of Bethesda where Jesus met the man who Mm -hmm. had been an invalid there for 37 years. Right. There was a belief that the water was stirred by angels at a certain time, and if you could get in the water at the right time, you know, you could be healed of your infirmity. Mm -hmm. Jesus asked the man, don't you know, want to be healed? He says, well, I don't have anybody to put me in the water. Well, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, here's this pool, and here's these people laying by a swimming pool, basically, you know, waiting for the water to be stirred. Right. But when I actually went to the pool and saw that where he was, and you look down, and the steps it takes to get down there, it was pretty steep, too, you know? Yeah. It wouldn't have been an easy feat. Even if you could walk, it would be an easy feat, you know, to get down to. And so, you know, having resources yeah, like this, you absolutely. know, to help your mind to really understand the culture and the people it was written to in the time. Right. And and I think, like, we're so individualistic as Americans, oh, yeah. right? Like, we, I think why we also struggle with the thought of, of having a Lord is just, like, we want to do our own thing, pursue your dreams in America, right? Like, yeah. anybody can be anybody, right? Mm-hmm. That's, like, the culture we live in. And the Jewish culture was actually much more communal. Right. Like they were very much about family and hospitality and honoring people when they came and had company. You know, Americans are we're like, and eh, we're good. Like we don't even go to answer doorbells anymore. You know, we're a little weird about that. So anyway, it's really hard, I think, to uh, read scripture through an American lens. To me, you have to look into the historical context of things to fully understand it. Yeah. God has brought you a special lady, Lady Ortigo. Yes. You've been engaged for how long? Of course, the pandemic, Mm -hmm. is it uh, changing your wedding plans? (laughs) Well, I hope not. (laughs) Um, We've been engaged since uh, last September. 
Uh, so we had about a year engagement, and it feels like five years because of the pandemic. It's like added so many months. But as of right now, so we're going to have an outdoor wedding um, at an outdoor venue. So hopefully, um, you know, as of right now, they haven't told us we have to cut the guest list right. or, or anything like that. However, you never know. I mean, if we go back into phase one, uh, which, you know, there's been discussions of because of the rising cases, there might be a chance that people just have to wear masks or they're just like, hey, no more than 50 people. So right, right. Um, as of right now, we haven't had any changes, but we're, we've been debating like, okay, maybe we just have a party a year from now, a celebration, and then just go get married and then go on our honeymoon. You know, yeah, we've debated yeah, that. Yeah, um, yeah. But as of right now, we're, we're going to go on October 3rd as, as planned. So Obviously, the attraction was looks. It's got to be part of it, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. There was an attraction. On my end, at least. Yeah. But, but I'm sure on both ends it was. <laughs> yeah. But what are some qualities? What are some things that stand out to you that you are excited for Eleni to be your future wife? She is one of the kindest people I've ever met. And I, I truly mean that. Like she, she is so caring about other people's needs. Mm. So I think she's a two on the Enneagram, which is like the, uh, the peacemaker. And so they're the people that like, they want everybody to have a good time. They're just, you know, they don't want to upset anybody. And so she's just that sweet natured uh, kind of person that for me, I'm a uh, six on the Enneagram, which um, I'm close to the challenger, but that's kind of my mindset being in sales, right? right. Like I'm always trying to challenge people. <laughs> and so I have to watch myself from being too harsh a lot of yeah. times with people, but it's such a good balance for me yeah. because Jesus was gentle with people. Amen. And so, I mean, I just see Jesus and her um, all the time, and it's such a good reminder for me. But she has a lot of amazing qualities, but that's like my favorite quality about her. Good word, Brian. Well, look, we're going to have to wrap up here. Before we say goodbye, the podcast, The Great Commission, is released weekly? Uh, Yeah, every Wednesday. So this morning, I released the second one. Um, So you can download the Anchor app if you're not familiar with that. It's a free app. Um, And uh, it actually will put the podcast on a lot of different apps after that. So it goes on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Spotify. Stitcher, um, radio head, or what is it called? There's uh, so many. Yeah, there's so <laughs> many, so, yeah. but I think it goes on like six or seven, but the main ones are Spotify, Google podcasts and Apple podcasts right. other than anchor. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Ryan, thanks for coming by. Man, I, thank I was you. really looking forward to this. And when I, Me too. when I listen, matter of fact, I couldn't sleep one morning, which I, you get my age, there's a lot of mornings you can't sleep. <laughs> yeah. So it was like 2 a.m. And I said, I remember Ryan has this podcast. I want to listen yeah. to it. Yeah, there you so go. I listened to the entire thing. Didn't put me to sleep. <laughs> that's that's I, I, the best feedback ever. <laughs> I love the energy, love the presentation. And then I said, you know, I think I want to have Ryan on the show. So thank glad you. I did. Man, I'm, I'm grateful. Thank you. Well, thanks so much. So if folks want to follow you, social media yeah. or a, a website, what should they do there? So um, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, which is where I post a lot of other professional content, obviously, for that platform. Um, So it's just my name. And then uh, Facebook. We actually have a Facebook group for the uh, podcast. It's called The Great Commission Group. So you can just search on Facebook, request to join, and we'll we'll approve you. Um, And then Twitter, um, you know, I post some stuff on there. Uh, Instagram. It's always Ryan underscore bone is always my handle. <laughs> Whatever. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Fantastic. Ryan, yeah. God bless you, my brother. Thank you so much for stopping Man, thank by. you for doing this. I appreciate it. All right. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. My pleasure to have Ryan Abone in the studio to share where he is in his journey with Christ, with uh, his 
Job and Sales, this podcast, The Great Commission. Hope you'll check it out on those podcast platforms. We're going to say goodbye for now. Thanks for listening. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.